G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as calculator watches? Today we're going to talk about the micro details of our decision making process. Now this is the third show we've had in a series about decision making. The first one was called three-dimensional decision making and the second was called four-dimensional decisions. Jacob and Esau, no soup for you. So if you've missed those presentations, be sure to check them out on our YouTube page called Is It Relevant Today? But just as a way of revision, in three-dimensional decision-making, we looked at the importance of connecting with the vertical dimension, with connecting with God and including Him in our decision-making process. In our last presentation, we had a look at the fourth dimension, which we defined to be time, and the importance of considering the implications of our decisions on the future, and how this will impact our life down the road. Now, to do this, we had a look at the story of Jacob and Esau, and we discovered that Esau was someone who didn't really think about the future. He was focused on the right here and right now. He lived for the hunt. He lived for the chase. He was interested in right here, right now, as long as I feel good right now. And we found out that he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And the way the Bible describes this is... It says that he despised his birthright. When something is so extremely valuable and you trade it for something as meaningless as soup, it shows that you don't just not care about it, but you actually despise it, you spurn it. We also spoke about the fact that our birthright is that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. Our birthright is a home in the New Jerusalem, a piece of land on the New Earth. Our birthright is eternity. But even more than that, our birthright is to shape eternity. And then we asked the question, do you despise your birthright? Do you care about your birthright, or are you willing to trade it off for something as meaningless as soup? Are you willing to give up your connection with God? Are you willing to indulge in things you know will cause a separation between you and God? And in this way, are you trading your birthright, your eternity, for something that may feel good for a few moments, but is ultimately meaningless? Today, we're going to have a look at micro-details and how these impact our decision-making process. Did you know that bees are extremely hairy creatures? In fact, bees have around 3 million hairs on their body. They're so hairy that they even have hair on their eyeballs. Now, this micro-detail is something that often goes unnoticed. But it is extremely important, not just for bees producing honey for us, but for something even more important than that, for the fact that bees pollinate the world. They're effectively honey-carrying, flying pollen brushes. Micro-details are extremely important in our decision-making process. And we're going to have a look at the story of Jacob and Esau again, but this time we're going to focus on Jacob. And we'll start by a short description of the passage in Genesis chapter 27. Essentially what's happening is Isaac is old and blind. And he thinks he's going to die soon. So he calls his son Esau to bless him before he dies. And he says to him, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, and my soul may bless you before I die. But his wife Rebecca overhears this conversation, and tells Jacob to dress up in the clothes of his brother, and to go and pretend to be Esau, and in this way to steal his brother's blessing. Jacob replies by telling his mother that Esau is hairy, and he is smooth, and maybe his dad will feel his arms. But they decide to put the skins of two young goats on his arms and neck, and he goes and deceives his dad. His dad Isaac is 
a bit suspicious, but eventually he's kind of convinced that it's Esau. And in this way, he gives Jacob, who's pretending to be Esau, the blessing. Now, when his brother Esau comes back and realizes what he's done, he is extremely angry and he cries out, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He has taken away my birthright and behold, now he has even taken away my blessing. The name Jacob meant the heel grabber, the supplanter, the schemer, the manipulator. Now stay with us after this song and we'll see how this story is relevant to us today. hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown Well the old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me For the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown And exchange it someday for a crown gladly bear Then he'll call me someday to my home far away Where his glory forever I'll share So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I'll cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown And exchange Someday for a crown And exchange it someday For a crown Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigau, and today we're looking at how Jacob deceived Isaac to steal his brother's blessing. Isaac is a schemer and a manipulator. His father has gotten old. In fact, he's so old that his eyes have gone dim. He cannot see anymore. He can't even see enough to be able to distinguish between his two sons, who, though they're twins, they look very different. One is very hairy, and the other is not hairy at all. Now, Isaac at this time is 137 years old, and he thinks that he's going to die soon. This isn't actually what's going to happen. He's not going to die soon. In fact, he's going to live another 43 years to be 180 years old when he dies. But he doesn't know, and he actually thinks that he's going to die soon. Maybe he's sick or something. 
And he says to Esau, please bring me game and I will give you a blessing. So what Isaac is trying to do is to give this blessing to Esau. Now, I'm quite convinced that Isaac knew that God had told Rebekah that Esau will be serving Jacob. I'm sure that Isaac knew that this blessing should really be going to Jacob. But Isaac is trying to have his own will happen here. In fact, what I believe that Isaac is doing is he's trying to split up the birthright into two. You see, the birthright included four components. The first was a component of wealth. The second was a component of honor. And the third and fourth were spiritual components. They included the blessing and the promise to Abraham. One was that he would inherit the land of Canaan. And the second one was that his descendants would be multiplied and that also through him would come the line of Messiah. Now, I believe what Isaac is doing is he's trying to split this blessing into two. He knows that Esau has willfully sold his blessing to his brother, but he's trying to have his own will happen here. And I'm also convinced that he knows that God has told Rebekah that the blessing is actually going to go to Jacob. But he's trying to twist things around according to the way that he wants it to happen. And we find that Rebekah overhears this. And she quickly goes and tells Jacob, Hey, your dad is about to bless your brother. And then she begins to scheme and manipulate and says, Let us go and take the blessing off him. And I want you to have a look at what Jacob says in reply to this. He replies in Genesis 27 verses 11 and 12, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. There is a number of things we can learn from this response. The first is that Jacob has no problem lying and scheming and manipulating. In fact, this is something that we learnt in our previous presentations, that our behaviour influences our children and their children. Jacob had no problem lying to his father. When his mother told him to do this, he said, what if he realizes I'm not hairy? He didn't say, "Uh, mom, this is wrong. I'd be lying to our father. I can't take advantage of him like that. No, he's not at all concerned with this. What he's concerned about is being found out. And this also sheds some light on the nature of the blessing that's about to be given. I'm sure that Jacob understood that this blessing, it wasn't simply from his father, that this blessing included an aspect of prophecy. For this reason, he's only concerned about being found out before the blessing is given. Once the blessing is given, he's obviously going to be found out, right? I'm sure that he knows eventually Esau's going to come home and he's going to be really mad when he finds out what he's done. But this doesn't concern him. He just wants to get the blessing and he'll deal with the consequences later. Now, many people assume that Jacob was quite young at this point. But in fact, that is not at all true. He is 77 years old. But we find out in Genesis chapter 27 that his mother is the mastermind behind the whole plot. She's the one who's orchestrated this big deception and this tells us a lot about the mindset of Rebecca. The attitude of Rebecca and also of her son Jacob is the end justifies the means. Now, where do they learn this kind of behavior from? We'll find out just after this song. is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name. blood of Christ that flowed at the 
the cross Flowers we fade and die Fame, youth and beauty hurry by But life eternal calls to us At the cross I will not boast in wealth or might Or human wisdom's fleeting light But I will boast in knowing Christ At the cross I rejoice in my Redeemer Greatest treasure Wellspring of my soul I will trust in Him to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau, and today we're looking at the story of how Jacob deceived his father and stole his brother's blessing. And we found out that his mother was the mastermind behind this scheme. And we're asking, where did she learn this kind of behavior from? This is something that both her and Jacob actually learned from Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. He behaved in a similar way. God made a promise to him just like he had made a promise to Rebekah. He promised Abraham that he would give him a son. And when this was taking a little too long for Abraham's liking, he tries to get it done in his own way. In a similar way, God promises to Rebekah that Esau will serve Jacob. But when she doesn't see this actually happening in the way she imagined, she schemes and manipulates because in her mind... The end justifies the means. Now let us have a look at the discourse between Isaac and Jacob. When Isaac asked, Who are you? Jacob said to him, I am Esau, your firstborn. Now I believe that Jacob and Esau's voice were very similar. And I believe that the only reason his dad became a little suspicious was more because of the way he was speaking, not his actual tone of voice. Because you'll notice, when him and his mother were plotting to deceive Isaac, when they were discussing this matter, he didn't say, Mom, as soon as I open my mouth, he's going to know it's me. No, he didn't say this. And I believe the reason he didn't say this is because his voice may have been very similar to Esau's voice. And he was probably able to intonate and make himself sound like Esau. And this is exactly what he's trying to do here. He says... I'm Esau, your firstborn. It wouldn't surprise me if this is something that Esau went around saying a lot. Take pride in the fact that he was born a few seconds before Jacob and he would possibly be saying he's the firstborn whenever he gets the opportunity. In fact, we see him doing this when he comes back to his father. He asks him, 
Who are you? After he's giving the blessing to Jacob. And he says, I'm Esau, your firstborn. This is exactly the same way that Jacob speaks to his father. He says, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Notice what Isaac doesn't say next. Isaac doesn't then go and say, you don't sound like Esau. You sound like Jacob. Now, when my father gets old and blind and I try to scheme and manipulate the birthright away from my brother and he asks me, who are you? I'll say, I'm Andres. I'm sure that straight away my dad will be like, no, you're not. You're Marius. Notice that Isaac didn't say this. What he actually says is, how did you find it so quickly? You know, he's thinking, when did you have time to catch it and cook it? It seems that like you would have caught it straight away. It normally takes you a lot longer than that. The next phrase that Jacob says to his dad, I believe, begins to give him away. He answers, because the Lord your God granted me success. You see, I doubt that Esau would have included God in his speech when he said things. I'm sure that when he said this, this would have aroused suspicion in Isaac's heart. He would have probably thought, hang on, Esau doesn't normally speak like this. And we can see this straight away, because then he says, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. And then he feels him, and ends up then smelling him, and there's still some doubt in his mind, but... He doesn't take measures to fully eliminate this doubt, which is something that he could have easily done. He could have called his servant Bob and say, Hey, Bob, come over here. Um, can you bring a can of 7-Up for my son Esau here? And Bob would have said, I can bring you a can of 7-Up, but this is Jacob. I can get one for him if you like. You see, Isaac could have easily found out whether this was Jacob or Esau. But I believe that Isaac also acknowledged that part of what he was going to say was prophecy. And that God would not give this prophecy unless he wanted to. And God could clearly see who was there. Isaac then goes to bless him. And here we can see that he's trying to split up the blessing. Now keep in mind, this blessing he's giving, he thinks that he's giving it to Esau. And this is what he says. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Essentially, what this is, is may God give you wealth. The next thing he blesses him with is honor. He says, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. But the next line that he says in Genesis 27 verse 29 is in direct opposition to what God had told Rebekah. God had told Rebekah that Esau would serve Jacob. But here, Isaac is trying to reverse this. He says, Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. The blessing that Isaac thought he was giving to Esau included just two components, wealth and honor. It was completely void of the Abrahamic promise, of the promised land, of the promise of having nations come from you, of the promise of the line of the Messiah. Later on, he would give a blessing to Jacob when he knows that it's Jacob. What does this blessing consist of? We'll find out just after this song.
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? You're listening to Maria Strigau and we've just seen that when Isaac thought he was blessing Esau, the blessing he gave consisted of riches and honor. But then he goes to give a blessing to Jacob. Unlike before, he's not being deceived about who's there. This is actually Jacob and he knows he's giving it to Jacob. And I want you to have a look at how he blesses him. It's found in Genesis chapter 28 verse 3. He says, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. Here, he is reiterating the promise to Abraham that he will become as the sand of the ocean, that he will become as the dust of the earth, that he will become as the stars of heaven. And then he says, May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land. Here, he's directly speaking about the promise to Abraham which was that he would go to the land of Canaan. That was the promised land. Isaac appears to have tried to split this blessing into two. What's interesting to me is that everyone in this story is doing something that's not exactly the right thing to do. You have Esau who has sold his birthright. He's now trying to get the blessing. Now, since he had sold his birthright, He no longer had the right to the blessing that went with it. But he's trying to get it anyway. His father is trying to give him the blessing, or at least part of it, that he knows should really go to Jacob in its entirety. He tries to give him the blessing of ruling over Jacob when he knows that God said it's not going to be that way. And Jacob and Rebekah are scheming and manipulating and lying. You see... They're going with the concept, the end justifies the means. Now this is a common concept in our world today. We'll go to this war and this will lead to peace. It's like, uh, what? How's that going to work? Or, I need to relax. I need some entertainment. I'm going to watch these things which I know are unfit for Christian consumption, but it's alright. It's just entertainment. The end justifies the means. Or, I'm going to put a little lie on my tax report to get a bit of extra money. You know, you know, I'll be giving more money to the church. The end justifies the means. I was speaking to someone earlier this week who said to me, I lied to my mum today. And they said, the reason I did this is because if I wouldn't have, it would have caused the fight. The end justifies the means. The truth is that the end never justifies the means. I was reading a book called A Thousand Shall Fall, and it's the story of Franz and Helena Hatzel and their experience during the Second World War. He was conscripted into the army, and she stayed home. And one chapter speaks about him and the things that he went through, and the next chapter will speak about her, and then about him, and then about her. I remember as I was reading the book, It appeared to me that the struggle that she went through, being in an Adventist home, worshipping on Sabbath, brought a lot of suspicion on her that she may have been Jewish. And one day, two German soldiers come to the door. And she's hiding Jews in her house. And she was faced with a decision. Does the end justify the means? And you may be thinking, really? One little lie to save people's lives? What would you do? She made the decision that the end doesn't justify the means. As the soldiers came to the door and knocked, they asked her, Have you got Jews in your house? And she answered, Come in and have a look. And again they asked, Do you have Jews in your house? And she said, Come in. And have a look. The soldiers turned around and went away. She made the decision that I am not going to lie. The end doesn't justify the means. I'm going to do what's right in the sight of God and I will leave the outcome up to Him. The truth is that the end never justifies the means. Because in reality, the means is all we have. 
There is only one end in this world, and that will be the ultimate destruction of the wicked. For everyone else, there will be no end. It's continual. The means is all that we have. The means determines who we are. The means determines our character. The means will actually determine whether we make a decision for God or whether we make a decision against Him. The only time that the end justifies the means is when the means leads to destruction. Now stay with us after this song and we'll wrap it up.
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Jigau, and today we've been looking at the story of how Jacob stole his brother's blessing. We have so far discovered that the mastermind behind this plan was his mother, and that her mindset, as well as his own, was that the end justifies the means. However, we've discovered that when the end justifies the means, the end is always destruction. The means is all that we have. The means determines our character. The means that we use determines who we are. God has said, be still and know that I am God. What he's doing here is he's inviting us to trust him. God invites us to trust Him with the outcomes of our lives. Because when we don't, when we choose to employ means which are ungodly and unbiblical, there are always horrible consequences. We're told in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. The means will determine what we reap. In the story we just looked at, the means that Rebecca used was deception and separation in the family, because we're told that she loved Jacob and Isaac loved Esau. The consequences of her actions was ultimately separation. After this event, Jacob fled to Padanaram and she never saw him again. He wouldn't return for another 20 years and by that time, She had died. Her means was separation and deception and the outcome was separation. The means that Jacob used were also paid back in kind. Jacob chose to deceive his father Isaac for one short moment by saying, I'm my brother. Later on in his life, Leah chose to deceive him for one short moment by saying, I'm my sister. What we sow, that's what we reap. From the beginning of time, it has been Satan's goal to deceive us that the end justifies the means. To deceive us that God can't be trusted to bring about our own good. We need to work and scheme, and if we have to do something that's a little bit unethical to get the way that we want, well, that's okay. The end justifies the means. But the truth is, When the end justifies the means, the end is always destruction. For those of us who won't ultimately be destroyed, the means is all that we have. The means by which we do things determines our character. The micro details of our decision-making process is what determines who we are. When Jacob came to Isaac and was asked, Who are you? He answered, I am Esau. However, 20 years later, he was faced with that question again. He was wrestling with God and he was asked again, Who are you? By this time, Jacob had learned a few things. He had learned that the end doesn't justify the means. He had learned to be honest even when the truth is sometimes painful. And he answered, I am Jacob. I am the deceiver. I am the supplanter. I am the heel grabber, the one who schemes and manipulates and tries to bring about my own way. And God said to him, No longer will you be called Jacob. From now on, you shall be called Israel. From now on, God will fight for you. I wanted to ask you today, how does your decision-making process work? How are the micro-details of your decision-making process? Are you justifying the means that you're using because of a desired end that you want to have? Keep in mind that when the end justifies the means, the end is always destruction. The means is all that we have. Are you like Jacob, trying to scheme and manipulate, or are you like Israel, allowing God to lead, allowing God to fight for you? I want to invite you to make a decision today. 
If you're living your life like Jacob, thinking that the end justifies the means to adjust the way that you're thinking, to give these things to God and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your desire for my life. And the means that I will employ will always be in accordance with how you want me to live. I will leave the end to you because I trust you. If you want to make this decision, I invite you to do so as we close with the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you love us. We want to thank you for the examples that you've given us in the Bible. Lord, we want to commit the way we do things to you today. We want to commit our means to you and to decide to follow you wherever you go. Lord, we know that you're coming soon. Please give us the strength and power to be able to fully dedicate our life to you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have video presentations on many topics including the one we've just been talking about called Decisions Micro Details. We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigau. God bless and I hope you have a magnificent day.
Though sometimes we don't see how they could Struggles that break our hearts in two Sometimes blind us to the truth What's best for us His ways are not our own So when your pathway grows dim And you just don't see Him Remember you're never to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love